Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converged into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Welcome. I'm your host. And this is uncomfortable. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Eric Salagi. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on an upcoming episode, please do not hesitate. Email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Your stories, your experiences are what drives this show. Please make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at Uncomfortable Podcast 65. And most importantly, please help share the show with others and make sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you can. That is the main way that you can help in getting the show out in front of more people. More people listening, more people writing in with their experiences, and that turns into more great content for you guys. Uncomfortable-pod.com is now up and running, and that is the official landing page for Uncomfortable. If you are a fan of the show and you are interested in helping support what we do here, please go over to patreon.com slash uncomfortablepodcast770 and see if any of the three tiers there interest you. Your support for the show so far has been amazing, and it is truly appreciated. The link for the Patreon and the Uncomfortable Discord will be in the show notes below. Now, time for the show. So if you're ready, let's get into it. Tonight's guest is myself. I have a tale to tell, a cautionary tale, I believe would be the right way to put it. I want to take a few minutes uh, and kind of try to set up the, um, the circumstances, if you would. This event took place during Bigfoot and Brews back on September 10th. Everything had been taken care of. My speakers' flights were on time. They were picked up. They were at the hotel. Everything was good. My vendors showed up. We opened the doors at 10 a.m. People were coming in, and I was 
relieved. You know, there's a level of stress that's in, involved with putting on a presentation like like Bigfoot and Brews and Forty and Airwaves. And you know, even though you know that you've crossed all your T's and dotted all your I's, there is some segment of you that you worry about. Oh my God, when the doors open, will there be anybody there? And there was. And it was a beautiful day. Temperatures were great. Um, I was I was surrounded by family, friends, loved ones, um, listeners. It, it was just, it was a great day. And, you know, it, it's, it's pretty busy being the host of something like that. You got to make sure that you're thanking all your sponsors and and all the people that need to be thanked, and then you want to recognize people that you have seen there in the past, and you know you, you just have you have a, a lot of things going through your mind. And uh, once I had gotten through all that, and uh, our first speaker Robert Kreider came up and um, started doing his presentation. I took the opportunity to finally get a chance to walk around to all the different tables, um, kind of rub elbows with everybody, find out where they were from, how they heard about the event, um, whether service was, you know, were they getting their food on time? How was the beer? All, all the things that, you know, a good host would do. And um, I got through all the tables and then I, I even worked my way over to the, the vendors area and you know ask the same of them to make sure that the the wait staff was getting to those people as well because they couldn't leave their tables and you know jj was there with her table our discord member jess she was there with jj um jamie chinnery had her her table there with some incredible sculptures and you know the list just goes on and on and my daughter was there she had a table that she had uh, um, candles that she was selling and my son was there my uh, my daughter's boyfriend was there and it was just you know everything was going it was it was it was in the process the wheels were turning there was no going back now everything seemed fine and and it was great and once i got through that process I was actually able to finally just kind of sit down for a minute on the corner of a picnic table and catch my breath. And, you know, not from an ego standpoint, but, you know, I was looking around and I was like, man, this is, this is just almost too hard to absorb because, you know, you put this thing together and, you know, you, you picked the, the speakers and the people that are there are there because of something that you put together for them. And it's, it's a humbling moment. It's a prideful moment. And uh, I was just kind of giving myself a couple of minutes to just take it in. And uh, I really wasn't aware of it at the time, but apparently JJ had gotten up to uh, go have a smoke. And Jess from our Discord, she was she was watching the table, and apparently she was having a conversation with one of the other vendors when this uh, when this girl walked up, and she kind of inserted herself into the conversation and said, "I've had experiences too," and she went on to say about Dogman and Bigfoot, and. Uh, you know, I'm sitting I'm sitting over the on the picnic table. I'm not aware of any of this that's going on and uh apparently Jess um takes her by the hand and says, You you need to talk to Eric. And the girl says, Who's Eric? And she's like, The guy that put this on, you know, the the host. So Jess walks her over to me and does a very quick introduction. She I'm sure she told me the girl's name. I don't remember what it was. Um, and then very quickly and very, very, um, just like no small talk at all, nothing. It was just the floodgates opened and this girl starts telling me about how, um, she found the show through her boyfriend 
and her boyfriend had encouraged her to go to the uh the the conference and you know later on that didn't make any sense because just said that she said she didn't know who eric was but yet now she's you know maybe she just didn't know who my what my face was um but in in just a couple of minutes of that girl sitting next to me she uh she starts to pour out her heart about having this um suicidal thoughts and anxiety and um these ocd type behaviors and it, it just it just poured out of her and she goes on to say that she has this um attachment that she deals with and not only is it her but she knows that her father has the an attachment as well and she she like goes on to say that you know she's afraid that it's something that's generations deep in her family and um now what i just told you are are literally the words that came out of her mouth there was not much more of that and inside of three minutes maybe four at most i went from being in a very good happy place to um absolutely just not being able to fight back my tears and shaking like a, a quiver like when you're you're too cold you know that just that that shiver um why did i start crying uh, one i think it struck a nerve because some of the things that she said you know like the anxiety and the depression and and that um you know my my kids have that um but more so i felt something reach off of her onto me now what do i mean by that um the best that i think i could describe it is if somebody came up behind you and put their fingers lightly on your back just enough so you could tell that they were there but not any real pressure behind their touch and i had this sensation of this these fingers and when i say that i'm not i'm not trying to make it sound like they were literal fingers but it there was something that came across my back and it started on the about the middle of the right side of my back and it kind of came up through the middle and and then came over my shoulder caps and it, as each i mean so i know this sounds dramatic but with like each second um i was starting to panic and i did not understand what my body was going through i did not understand why i was crying uncontrollably and when I, I when i say ugly crying it was that ugly cry that uncontrollable crying and uh you know this was in a matter of three or four minutes and i and i i looked up and and i saw this person sitting there and that person was the archbishop Christ, christina rake um now i'm going to give you a little bit of background there i had talked to her months in advance and she told me she would love to be able to come to this but there was no way because she was booked solid her weekends were not her own she had no time for anything and she appreciated the the extension of the invitation but she said there was no way she was going to be able to do it well two days before the event she sent me a text message and she said 
I can't believe it, but my weekend has opened up. And isn't your Bigfoot and Bruise thing this coming weekend? And I said, yes, actually it is. And she says, great. How do I get tickets? I want to come. And I was like, if any of you have heard me talk about Christina Rake, I absolutely adore the woman. And uh, I was like, that's fantastic. And I, I immediately told her where the Eventbrite site was. And I said, well, hold, hold on a second, because um, J.J. Rose had actually, just a few days before that, indicated that her husband was not going to be able to make the trip. And she had already purchased tickets for the VIP dinner the night before, and she had an extra ticket for the day of the event. So I said, instead of doing that, just get a hold of JJ and, you know, you guys work it out. And because I know she has two tickets. <clears throat> and I mean, nicely enough, JJ donated her tickets to Christina Rake. So she shows up and she's sitting right in front of me. And I could not process fast enough that I needed to get this girl to the archbishop. The problem with that was as I looked up and saw her sitting there, her server had just gotten to her table with a tray of her food and left it off there for her at the picnic table. And I, I thought to myself, I'm like, I can't, I can't interrupt her, her, her meal. She just got her food. And there was something that was overwhelming. And I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. So I, I grabbed the girl's hand and I, walked over to the the picnic table and I stopped beside Christina Rake and the girl walked around Christina and sat down uh, on the opposite side of the picnic table to look at Christina. And uh, I, I, it was everything I could do to utter, you have to talk to her. And at that point she like, turned and saw that I was in duress and I was crying and she's like, Oh, you poor dear, what's going on? You know, why, why are you crying? What's going, what happened? And I could not, I couldn't bring myself to, to say anything. I just, I, I was struggling to get words out of my, out of my mouth. Um, and at, at that point, Sid, one of, one of the guys that I've, I've gotten to know through the years in the Bigfoot community in Michigan, he's on the left side of me and he hands me a napkin or a paper towel or something, you know, to like absorb the, the tears off my face. And, um, again, I said, you have to talk to her. And she goes, okay, hon, I'll, I'll talk to her. It's, it's fine. And I, I, you know, it just kind of looked over, tilted my head sideways to look at Christina. And I was like, it's not good. It's not good at all. And she's like, okay, I'll talk to her. I'll talk to her. And, and I heard her. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't looking at her at the time, I don't believe, but I did hear her say, I'm Archbishop, uh, Archbishop Rake, and I think the girl probably introduced herself. And uh, I, I was just... I was mortified. I was embarrassed that I was being so emotional. There was, you know, 80 to 100 people around that were, you know, in close proximity to me. I was embarrassed that I was doing having this emotional outburst um, in front of them. It was, you know, I didn't want to detract from Robert Kreider's presentation. I didn't want to inter interrupt that. And all I could think was, I, I got to get out of here. I, I, I wanted to run. I wanted to just distance myself as far as I could, as quickly as I could from what was going on. And uh, I started to leave the table. And I, I remember hearing her say it, but it didn't sink in until my girlfriend, Stacy, who was 
at a table directly behind Christina Rake facing the girl. Um, I hear her say, you are so empathetic. Thank you. And I just, I, I probably, if, if anything, I probably nodded just trying to get out of there without saying anything else. Cause it seemed like every time I opened my mouth, it just, I, I would start crying again. So from this point, it gets minorly fuzzy. So I believe what I did was I, I made my way to the the one end of the, the conference and I walked out behind Robert Kreider to where the van that I was using to um, haul all my equipment. And I went on the, the opposite side of it. I opened up the door. I reached inside. I grabbed a pack of cigars that I had. And I sat down in the the little well where you put your foot to step up into the van. And I was fumbling with the, the lighter trying to get the cigar lit. And um, my my son comes running around the backside of the van to me. And he's like, Dad, what's going on? You're freaking me out. I've never seen you cry like this since your friend Johnny died. And that was 10, 12 years ago. He's like, what's going on? And I said, I'm all right. I can't talk about it, but I'm okay. I said, just, I, I need some time to figure out what the hell is happening. And he's like, you're freaking me out. And Rachel's, Rachel's getting sick. And I said, you know, what's going on with my daughter, Rachel? And he's like, she just like all of a sudden had to stand up on her chair and literally hang her head over the back of the, the privacy fence that was enclosing the area that we were in and just violently got sick. And uh, that kind of struck me as weird that just out of the clear blue, because that's not typical behavior for my daughter. Um, yes, we were at a brewery, but she does not like to drink. So, you know, it would not have been that she had been indulging um, too much too fast early in the day. And uh, I told my son, I said, just, is she okay? And he's like, yeah, I think so. But, you know, she just ended up having a puke. And I said, all right, just give me some time to to kind of come down off of this. And, and he he walked away, went back the way he came. And, you know, not even not even a couple of minutes have gone by and my daughter comes like bouncing around the, the side of the the van and she's kind of laughing, but like in a nervous way, like what the hell's going on with you? Why are you crying? Oh, my God, I just got sick. And I'm like, are you OK? And she's like, yeah, I feel fine now. And I was like, you know, I'm really trying to process what's going on with me because you know, in my, uh, on my dad's side of the family, my dad had, um, had a nervous breakdown in his mid thirties. I think it was late thirties. And I mean, it wasn't anything catastrophic, but it did cause him some, some issues. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out why I'm so emotional about this and why just in that very short period of time, what that girl said to me, is nothing I haven't heard from other people. Um, it, it just, I was, I was confounded. I had no idea what the hell was going on. And I told my daughter the same thing. I told my son, I said, I, you know, I can't talk about this right now. I said, I'm okay, but please just give me some, give me some time to, to get this sorted. <clears throat> and, uh, and she did. And, you know, within a couple of minutes, I, th I think it was, I was able to pretty much kind of collect myself. And um, I was like, I can't, I can't leave this function. This is, you know, this is my deal. I am, I am the MC. I am the host. I am who is paying everybody. I, you know, I, I, it's not like I can leave this. So. Um, I kind of pulled my bootstraps up and and uh, I made my way back into the the 
the main area. I think at this point I had I had walked around and got behind the the vendors tables and uh, I went and I sat down on the cooler next to my my Stacy and she she looked at me but it wasn't a it wasn't a contentious look it wasn't like oh my god what the hell is going on with you it was it was a a look of genuine care and you know, trying to understand what was going on. And uh, to the right of me was my vending table, which had uh, two of my close friends from work who were manning that table for me. And Tammy, <laughs> my my coworker, she looked at me and she's like, are you all right? What the hell's going on? And then Nick, who, if you guys have listened to my episode of The Devout and the Agnostic, Nick was uh, helping with the table there. And uh, looking back on it now, I find it kind of strange that he was not as interested in what's going on or what happened as much as, you know, putting his hand on my back and, and just kind of being, hey, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And uh, I, I tried to, I tried to explain to to Stacy what what was actually happening, and um, she brought up that was so weird how that girl said what she said to you, and I said, "What do you mean?" And she said that when you started walking away from the table where she looked at you and she said, I was looking straight at her and she had zero emotion on her face. No emotion whatsoever. When she said, Oh my, you're so empathetic. Thank you. And she said, I just thought that was really weird that you were in such an emotional state and the lack of emotion that was on her face. And, you know, truth be told, at this point, maybe 15 minutes had gone by from her initially sitting next to me at that picnic table. Um, this, this was all a very, it was a whirlwind. It, it happened extremely fast. Maybe 20 minutes. Maybe. And, uh, you know, so I tried to explain to, to Stacy what I thought was going on and it just hit me that I was just parched. I needed something cold to, (laughs) to drink. And I didn't even think about the fact that I was actually sitting on a cooler that had a bunch of bottles of ice water in it. So I got up and I walked over to the the one bar that they had set up outside for us. And I asked for uh, an ice water. And uh, Christina Rake had had her little conversation with this lady. And um, she walked over to me to basically say, you know, she had a two-hour drive back home. She was going to have to get leaving pretty soon. And wanted to know if I was all right. And I told her, I said, I don't think I am. I I still had, like, the shakes. I still had that, like, I don't know if if any of you have ever had a period in your life where you've drank an awful lot of coffee for an extended amount of time. There's there's this, like, um, tension that you get in your, your neck and your traps in your shoulders that is it just it's from all the caffeine and all the coffee and um what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co that's kind of the feeling that i had it was it just something did not feel right i felt off and uh 
the bartender had handed me my glass of water and, and Christina said, um, well, would you like me to pray over you? If you pay attention to me when I do my shows uh, or any time I've ever talked, you know that I have got a lot of questions about religious beliefs and, you know, not really, not really having a, a roof uh, a, that I can rest my, my beliefs under, um, you know, conventional religions and um, organized religions don't, don't really do it for me. And, but I have to go back and say that, you know, I was born and raised Catholic. And when I looked up from that first couple of minutes with that girl and I saw Archbishop Christina Rake sitting there, um, you know, I literally saw her as a lifeline. And so I don't know if that's like a, a remnant of my my younger days when I, I was going through the the Catholic Church and, and all that. I don't know if it was uh um I don't know. There was there was a there was a level of comfort that I had when I saw her sitting there. And, you know, of of all people that could have been sitting at that table, it was her. And up until two days before that, there was never any chance that she was going to be there. You know, her schedule opened up and then, boom, next thing you know, you know, she's she's there. And it just kind of started thinking that all of this was really weird and and i've known myself for 58 years and my emotional response to what that girl said was nothing like i have ever had in an experience um i did not get that emotionally charged when i had found out that my dad had passed away i did not get that emotionally charged when I got the call that my mom had passed away back this previous November. Um, it was it was just really unlike me and who I am and how I behave. And you know, I'm I'm having this conversation with Christina at the at the edge of the bar, and she said, "Yeah, I had a, I had a good conversation with her. We exchanged information." And, you know, I'm going to reach out to her. She's going to reach out to me via email. And, you know, we'll, we'll get this figured out. We'll find some help for her. And, and I just, I, I just, I didn't feel right. And Christina says, would you like me to pray over you? And my, I didn't even think about it. It was an immediately, fuck yes. Do it. Let's, let's do it right now. <clears throat> so you know right behind where we were standing was a gate to go out onto the side of the uh the brewery i think it was like a little access road that ran alongside it so we stepped through that gate and closed it and again this is all uh, a privacy fence and uh i i got outside the fence and i just i took my hands and i put my hands up against the fence and i was leaning towards it and Christina was standing on my right hand side and I said what the fuck is going on with that girl and she said that she said she didn't know she said that her her spiritual safety net um, I guess you could call it when that girl sat down just kind of came to a boom just like shut her off from being able to read this girl at all and she said she had had that happen a couple of times throughout her life um if you know anything about christina she not only is she's a archbishop in the old catholic church but she does paranormal investigations and she is um you know to some extent uh, a medium and uh has a little bit of um, extra sight, I guess you'd call it, um, that we don't all all have. And um, 
she said that she doesn't believe it's a demon, but she doesn't know what it is. And for somebody who has been in in the church and in the investigative realms of of the paranormal for as many years as she has, I thought that was a that was an unlikely statement for her to make. I thought she would have had a very clear and concise idea of of what this was. She goes on to say that it is generationally deep in her family. Not is it just her and her her father but <clears throat> whatever this is it's it's had its hooks in their family bloodlines for a long long time and she also goes on to say that i'm afraid that if i did something to try to to remove that from her that she would not know how to live without it because it's been a part of her for so long And uh, she said, if I were to do something like that, when she contacts me, that there would have to be a number of other people involved, that she would have to be assured that there would be some level of aftercare that could be provided by her local diocese to where she lived and as she was saying this it started to become really apparent to me it's like additional people aftercare and I looked at her and I said you're talking about an exorcism and she just kind of you know lowered her eyes and you know gave somewhat of a yes nod to that and then she said are you ready and I said yeah fuck yeah do it now absolutely fucking do it now I said I hate the way this feels and she started to step behind me as I as I out of the peripheral saw her start to step behind me in my right ear I hear, I'm going to say the right. And in my head, I'm thinking that that should have been, okay, I'm going to pray for you. But what I heard was, I'm going to say the right. And she put her hand on my back. And when her hand gently touched my back my knees buckled I thought I was going to drop to the ground and uh, thankfully I didn't but I was I was shaking and she prayed in silence whatever she said she said in silence and it wasn't long I mean, maybe a minute, minute and a half, however long it took her to say what she was saying to herself. Um, I felt this, this weight lift off of me, and it was gone. It felt like I had been walking around with a, a weighted blanket over my head and my shoulders and my back. And when she prayed... It lifted off of me. I could literally feel it just dissipate and go. And there was an immediate calm that came over me. My trembling stopped. And I was good. And she stepped back to the right side of me. And I said, I said, I heard you say that you were going to say the right. 
And I said, was that the minor rite of exorcism? And again, just like she did when I was talking about the other girl, she just lowered her eyes and had a very calm, peaceful smile on her face. And she just kind of did the bobblehead, you know, which to me was a, which was a, a yes, that she had performed the minor rite of exorcism. That was a powerful moment for me because I, as you know, I, I battle with questions about my, my religious affiliations and, you know, what is it exactly that I believe? I mean, I do believe in a creator. I do believe in a spirit. Uh, um, but is it, is it what we've been told in the Bible? I don't know. Anytime you have man introduced into the realm of things, I think they twist it and turn it and turn it into something that they want it to be. Um, but I'm here to tell you that whatever she said, and, and I think it's, it's, it's worth noting that it was not out loud. I did not hear what she said. It worked, and it was gone. Just as quickly as it came upon me, it was gone. And... You know, apparently J.J. had met her at her car before she left and had a conversation about, you know, whatever the hell I had just been through. And even J.J. said that Christina's reaction to it was kind of not that not that big of a deal. Like, not that she made light of it, but, you know, and, and maybe that was... Um, you know, like doctors have a code where they can't talk about patient relationships and lawyers can't talk about client information back and forth with somebody else. Maybe that was her take that, you know, that it wasn't JJ's business and and that it was just between me. So that that may be that may well be. Um, but after seeing a um, an email from Christina it really kind of seemed like she did not go through the same experience that I did when we were outside that fence there seemed to be a, a difference in her perception of of that and she literally said I all I did was pray all I did was pray over him. And I know, <laughs> as sure as I'm sitting here, that in my right ear, as she stepped from beside me to behind me before she laid her hand on me, I heard the words, I'm going to say the right. And it was in a female voice, and there was nobody else there, and I never had any question that it was her that said what I heard. But according to that email, it doesn't seem that that's what she's saying. Um, <clears throat> I was able to go back into the main part of the area where everybody was at. Uh, the girl was still there. And to be honest with you, prior to her praying over me, I couldn't even look at that girl without losing my shit. I, if I looked over at her, I was completely come over in emotion. Um, and after Christina prayed over me, um, I was able to look at her just fine. And it was at that point that I noticed that she was, uh, she was a short kind of a strawberry blonde, you know, maybe leaning a little towards the red redhead side um, very pale complexion it was sunny as hell out and she was sitting alone at a picnic table 
kind of sitting side saddle on the um, on the seat of the picnic table, one leg over each side of the seat. And I, you know, I just I I looked at her and I noticed that her eyes were. I noticed two things specifically. She she had a very slight canter back and forth like the entire time she sat there. And the other thing that I noticed was that her eyes darted from this to that to there to here to there. It was very obvious to me or very apparent that she was not paying attention to Robert Kreider's presentation. Um, she just was, uh, it, it was almost, uh, uh, mechanical. It was almost like a, um, scanning or something. It just was so odd that she, I, I, it was a very odd behavior, um, and then she got up. She lifted a leg over the the seat of the the picnic table, and she, without looking around or looking down or seeing if she left anything or you know may have forgot something, she just made a beeline and and left the the conference. Um, I've not been able to tell this story until now <clears throat> without getting deeply emotional. And, you know, it's still very fresh. I mean, it's barely, barely been a month and, um, you know, it's, I think 30, 36 days since, since it happened. Um, I did I did use this as my presentation at 40 and Airwaves um back over the weekend of the 6th, 7th and 8th. And again, I'm sitting in front of you know 70, 80 people whatever it was and um I I lost my shit multiple times. And it was embarrassing and it was um uncomfortable <laughs> for me um i had a i had a backup story that i was going to and i almost defaulted to it um i i i knew halfway through the day when bo from the bump podcast got up on stage and if you know anything about bo bo is very out there with his uh, his faith and his religious beliefs and it's a part of who he is and it's part of how he does his show and uh you know i mean i started getting those emotional tugs during his and that was you know three shows before me and i was sitting next to my my girlfriend and you know in my head i was like okay, you need to start preparing to switch over to do this other show because you're not going to be able to get through it. And uh, then after that, uh, AI came on and they did their presentation. And even though it was about a, um, a, a folklore for that area or a, a old wife's tale, uh, there was still a, a very spiritual component to it. And and I started to notice that there's like, okay, that's kind of weird because now we've got two presenters in a row that there's this kind of golden thread that's weaving through. And then, uh, then Hollow Sky comes up and they do their presentation. And um, again... Uh, not directly related to any kind of religious experiences or, or possessions or, you know, anything like that. Um, there still was that, that 
strange thread of uh, spirituality. And then, uh, you know, it came time for me to go up there, and I just felt compelled that I needed to tell that story. And from the standpoint of it being a cautionary a cautionary tale. Um, I don't go haphazardly and seek out interactions with spirit or, um, you know, I don't, I don't go into haunted locations and try to rile them up by, uh, provoking or, or anything like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm still processing. I was, in the middle of a Bigfoot conference, there was nothing, uh, nothing spiritual or religious or demonic or anything like that uh, in any of the presentations or anything that we had going on. So, you know, it it's it's confounding why why that experience happened there, and. I don't think it was until um, I kind of went back and I started thinking about some of the things that Christina had said to me. And she said that you were, you're a very open person. You're very, your energy is very open. You're accepting of other people's experiences. And, you know, you, you obviously believe in, in a, a number of things that, you know, some people think is, you know, who scary and not real um but then she also said that you have to look at it from the standpoint of everybody that was there was there because they had an interest in bigfoot and because they had that interest that also means that they're open and and she said there was a lot of a lot of people with open energies there and I said, but why me? You know, what was, what was, was it just by chance or was it specifically targeting me? And, and I guess the consensus is that because I have a voice and it's not only in the figurative sense that I have a voice because of the show, but in the literal sense that people like listening to me because my voice gives them some comfort or is inviting <clears throat> that negative negative energies don't necessarily always go for the the big fish you know like a much larger show than me. Um, they may go after multiple, my dog's trying to get in here. Um, they may go after multiple smaller voices uh, that collectively have a large listening. And, you know, I mean, I guess the, the question I was really interested in is, you know, what was its end game? What was it trying to, um, what was it trying to get out of me? Was it trying to affect me where maybe I wouldn't be quite as uh, open and accepting of the the guests that I have on this show? Would it have made me a more cynical um, interviewer? Would it made me start calling people out on things that I didn't necessarily believe? Was it uh, Was it trying to get me to just back away from all of this and just get out of it entirely to, you know, quiet my voice. Um, you know, the one thing that was, <clears throat> the one thing that was really pretty apparent with the, the choices that I made <clears throat> of the people that were at 40 and airwaves is even though I, I tried to provide a, a wide spectrum of, you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other, as far as the the uh, presenters that were there, the one thing that we all have in common is that we're interested in getting the truth out, and 
you know, whether that's just your truth or whether that's the truth for many. Um, so I don't know. I don't know why it, why it picked me. Um, I would like to believe that it was a, uh, just because I was there and close, but I, I think, I think that there was something more behind it. I think it was more, uh, it had a specific reason why I was coming after me. And, uh, one last thing that, um, Christina had indicated was that I, I was concerned that if it was a generational attachment, was it leaving her and trying to get into my, my generations because my generations were there. Um, the woman I care for very much, <clears throat> she's there. My daughter is there. My son is there. Um, you know, later conversations, my my son tells me that when my daughter got sick, it was while I was sitting at the picnic table with that girl beside me in that short three-minute, four-minute period before I took her to Christina. That's when my daughter got sick. Um you know, was she feeling, was she reacting to what I was going through? Um, and, you know, Christina had indicated that it wasn't her belief that this was a an attempt at leaving her and coming over to me as much as it, it was in its behavior was acting more like a, like a virus that it had no intention of leaving her or her dad or anybody else in her family, but it was going to spread to me. And, you know, my guess is, I mean, I'm sure there were probably some families there, um, but all of my family, all of my kids, they all kind of share in the, in the interest in the weird with me, the, uh, the paranormal and the, uh, the things that go bump in the night, they share that with me. And I just wonder if, if that was, that was its goal was because I had generations of my family there and it was either trying to silence me get me to walk away from all this and stop doing what I'm doing or it was going to affect how I do what I do. Um, again, she said that it was very fortuitous <laughs> that I recognized that it was not, I didn't feel right. She said, had you gone home? and allowed that to fester and and get its hooks in deep she said it would have been considerably different and harder to to get it to let go so that's my story and uh, you know I guess it's a cautionary tale um, we all, we all look into this stuff to, to some degree, some of us more, some of us less. Um, but I think, I think you have to be aware that at some point, if you go knocking on doors, one day something's going to open up and it doesn't have to be that big of a deal. Cause like I said before, I'm not out there actively trying to engage these things but and then the other thing that uh, that I want to end on is not to be preachy but 
the power of prayer. It's real. It's real. I felt that lift off of me. And I was fine. So, take that for what you want. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I needed to get it off my chest. And hopefully... um, Hopefully you enjoyed hearing it. And maybe there's somebody out there that this can help. Until next week. Stay uncomfortable, my friends. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.